today is a very special day for us in light of the church, in the life of the church. In the first service, we had 10 families, and a total today between both services, we will be dedicating 14 babies um, here at Westside. Yeah, man, absolutely. Really cool. And Psalm 127 says these words as our families come forward at this time. Unless the Lord builds this house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In it is vain you who rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of the anxious toil. For God gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb and a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And so if these children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, then Westside, we are ready to go to war, right? We have got a lot of babies. And so what we want to do with you guys today, parents, is we just want to speak a word of blessing over you. And for all of you um, as parents, this isn't about perfection. Bless you, little man. Goodness gracious. There's nothing cuter when a baby sneezes, right? For parents, it's not about perfection, okay? Um, it's about reflection. And it's about reflecting Jesus. And, and that doesn't come in like night in shining armor moments, right? Most of the time it comes during a dirty diaper, right? Or it comes when you have to say you're sorry or apologize or show repentance. And so for you guys, um, it's, it's not about this perfect world that Instagram and Pinterest portrays. It's about reflecting the love of Jesus Christ. And so for all of you as parents, I'm going to ask this question and you can respond with, we will. Today, do you declare that you will raise these children to the best of your abilities? And we'll learn later on, you, you can't save these babies. But one of the things that we do is we're responsible for exposing them to the Word of God and to the story, the good news that God is writing. And so I would ask you as parents, do you promise here today to raise these children to the best of your abilities, to point them to the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ? And you can just respond with, we do. And Westside, they bring these babies into our covenant home. And so the saying is true that it takes a village, right? Well, that's partly true. I think it takes a church. And so what's interesting is these babies are going to grow up in the life of our church. And these young men are going to look at these men. And they're going to say, I know mom and dad say that this is what a Christian man looks like, but I don't know if I see anybody like that at church. Or do I see people like that at church? Or do I see this man? Or do I see this woman? Mom tells me that this is what a woman who's in the Word looks like. I wonder if there's anybody like that at church. And so, Westside, what you have in your bulletin is a prayer that we pray at every child dedication. And in just a moment, I want us to lift up our voices and pray for these families. And parents, I want you guys to just simply listen. And listen to these beautiful words that your church family is praying over you and praying for these children. So Westside, let's lift up our voices loud and pray for these parents and children. Gracious God, giver of all life, we pray for these parents. Give them wisdom and patience. Let your peace and joy dwell in their homes. Instruct them in your gospel truth. Strengthen them in faith. Sustain them through prayer. Order their lives by love. We pray for these children. Be gracious to them, 
Draw them to yourself. Help them to love and trust Jesus. We pray that you will grow them in faith so that they might be like arrows in your hand. For Christ's sake, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we are grateful for these babies and for these children. And God, we thank you that you are the creator and the sustainer of life. And God, we celebrate their birth and we also pray John 3 over their life, the new birth, that when their eyes and their hearts are open to the beauty of Jesus Christ, God, be with these parents and give them strength, give them energy, and give them grace. We pray for these babies, not that you would keep them from any trials and tribulations, for we know that the world is broken, but we pray that you would shape them and mold them through trials and temptations into the image of your Son. God, give us, give us this congregation grace to help these parents and to pray for these children. And we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, we have a gift for you guys. We've got the Jesus Storybook Bible where every story whispers his name. We use this Bible in the Jordan home. And so, Westside, would you show some love and give a round of applause for these babies and these parents this morning? Thank you, guys. You guys are dismissed. Thank you so much. All right, Westside, enough of that um, mushy stuff, okay? Grab your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and give your attention to the reading of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible or own a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you, and that is our gift to you today, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Mariah, you're good. I can, you got it? Go ahead. Awesome. You got it. Look at her. She's a mama holding a baby and reading the Bible. That's awesome, man. I was going to try and feed her too, but that's not going to work. Okay, if you're in the blue Bible that you have in the pew back in front of you, it's on page 1097. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from the God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Westside. Again, we're glad that you're here. And what we want to do today is just take some time. Um, Mother's Day is not on the church calendar. It is not a holy day. It is not a feast day. But it is a day of opportunity. And so what I want to do today is, is I've, I've been in the game a long time. Um, I was born almost literally in the church. Um, after I was born, like three or four days later, boom, I was in church. And I've been in church my whole life. And I've been in the game long enough to know that today is a beautiful day for many. And for some, it's also a heavy day. Because either mom isn't here, or you yourself have tried to have children and longed for your heart to do that. And that hasn't happened Or also, it's just difficult being a woman trying to follow Jesus in 2019. And so what I want to do today is a very famous passage of Scripture was read before you, 2 Timothy, about Timothy's faith found in his mother and also his grandmother. And what I want to do is I want to do like a 30,000-foot view of what this thing of parenting really is and then sort of dip down a little bit into some application 
And then I also am going to invite um, my wife up and ask her a few questions and just as a um, little bit of an interview. I've always thought it was interesting in church, like on Mother's Day or days that we honor women, like, why don't we hear from a woman? That would be mind-blowing, right? You know what I mean? And so um, with this idea of parenting and what this looks like, I, I think this will be helpful as an introduction. In 2011 at the World Championship in Athletics, which is a qualifier for the Olympics and the world watches, um, it was time for the 4 by 100 meter relay. And in the relay is where they pass the baton, you know. So you have your best guy last. And what they do is they make their way around the track. And you always have your best guy last to make up maybe for the first guy, you know, Bill, that wasn't good or something like that, you know. And so you've always got your best guy last. Now, what was intense about this is if you know anything about the Olympic sports, Jamaica had been ruling the world. Um, They had this one guy, I don't know if you know his name, Usain Bolt, right, which I've always thought was cool. His last name's Bolt, like a lightning bolt. Okay, and so, um, yeah, and I, so anyway, Jamaica had like ruled the world doing this, and the men's uh, 4 by 100 meter was set to really challenge and maybe beat the Jamaican team. And the last lap is taking place. Davis Patton was set to hand off the baton to Walter Dix, and as he does, right before he does, Davis trips, falls forward, and drops the baton. You can watch the replay on YouTube and you can almost hear the entire stadium just sort of gasp. And uh, it, it's almost like this bad luck. The men's 4 by 100 meter had struggled to do this and qualifying and all that. They asked um, Usain, why do you think the men's team always struggles and never does good at the relay? And Usain Bolt, with his profound wisdom, said, I don't know, they just panic. Thanks, buddy, for the advice, you know. When it comes to to parenting and really discipleship, when we look at the scriptures, it's, it's like that relay. It's passing something on to the next generation. That's what we see when we see all through Scripture. One of the first things in Genesis that, that God creates and institutes is not government, is not all of these other establishments. It is the family home. And it is the family home and that design and that origin, that divine design that God says this is how discipleship and passing down the story of the gospel is supposed to happen in families. And, and, and all through the scriptures we see this. In Psalm 145 it says these words, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty Acts. We see this all the time in the book of Exodus when God raised up Charlton Heston to get the people out of slavery and to rescue them out of Egypt. The very first thing that God instructs the people of, uh, of Israel is when your children ask you, why do we eat on this day and why do we do this and why do we do that? You are to tell them the story about how your God saved you out of slavery in Egypt and made you. It's always this idea of, of passing something down. There's all types of statistics. Anybody that studies church growth or churches dying, it happens this way. One generation believes the gospel. The next generation assumes the gospel and the third generation denies the gospel. 
It's always in the generational passing of the baton of the story of the good news. And so my thesis and my argument today is very simple. It's this. The point of parenting is to pass on the gospel. That's what we see. It's what we see in our text. It's what we see when we look 30,000 feet above the scriptures. This has implications for all of us. But there's also a rub here, right? I think a lot of our parenting, and a lot of these are my own confessions here, right, of passing down the gospel, actually looks eerily similar to the men's 4 by 100 meter dash. We're dropping it, right? And why is that? Why, why do we struggle with this? And there's the dropping of the baton that takes place. I think there's really three common ones. The first one is this, very simple, right out of the gate. No one showed you. I think that's probably the most predominant, is I was never shown this. And maybe your story is a lot like my father's story. My dad did not meet his biological father until he was 37 years old. And so JW went to go get a pack of cigarettes and a gallon of milk and came back 37 years later. And so when I look back on my parents' parenting, especially my father's, I'm, I think, wow. I mean, there was no reference point to sort of go back to and see how does this thing work. And I think a lot of us are that way. Nobody showed me, so I'm sitting out here just floating in the ocean. The second one is this. We just think that it will just happen, right? So we know that this is important, and we think about it. And even when the kids aren't around, we talk about it. Isn't it funny? Like, if you have kids, you're like, oh, man, we need some time away from the kids. Uh, And then you get time away from the kids, and you talk about the kids, right? It's like this weird thing that takes place. But we think that discipleship or something will just simply happen. Does that work with your yard? Will, will, Will your grass just get cut, right? It, it doesn't work in any other avenue of life at all. But for some reason, we have this sort of just mental block that, oh, yeah, maybe by osmosis this thing will just happen. And it doesn't. It has to be very intentional. But the last one, I was in student ministry for almost eight years, is, is very predominant. And we think that's the job of professionals. So the point of passing down the gospel is, well, yeah, I mean, my kid goes to youth group on Wednesdays. We do church on Sunday, especially on Christmas and Easter. I call those people CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only, right? It's funny. Some of you are offended. Probably you. That's okay. All right? We won't see you next weekend, all right? But here's the thing. We think we're just going to pass that off. And the reality is, and, and I know us as parents don't believe this, But nobody has as much influence over your children as you. Now, I know you don't believe that because they don't listen to anything that you say or anything like that. But but just look at the father epidemic in, in our world in this day and age. Like you have so much influence over your kids that you influence your kids even when you're not there. And so, no. Listen, did you know that if you study the pages of Scripture, there's no youth group? Look at it. No vacation Bible school. It ain't in there. What's in there? The family unit. And then the church comes along and is supplemental to what is taking place in the home. It does not take its place, but it comes alongside. So if the point of parenting is to pass on the gospel, what do we see in 2 Timothy? Now, I need to confess something. We are still, me and my wife are are young parents. We don't have 
anything figured out, and so we have a lot of life to live. That's not what I'm doing today. I'm not saying I have this figured out and this is what we're doing. I am teaching you a text. So my point should come from the Bible. I speak from the authority of Scripture. And what we see in the life of Timothy is fascinating. Timothy pastored a church in Ephesus that Paul, the Apostle Paul, started. So the Apostle Paul's gifting was go into a town, preach the gospel, cause all kinds of ruckus, get arrested a couple times, get out of jail, preach the gospel, get arrested, then preach the gospel in jail, and then everybody in the jail gets saved, right? Like, what are you going to do with this guy? Like, we'll kill you, Paul. Well, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So I'd rather go be with Jesus. Yeah, well, we're going to put you in jail. Yeah, well, everybody in jail is going to get saved. So like, what do you do with this guy, right? So he plants this church, it blows up, and now Timothy is going to be the pastor there, and he's writing him pastoral letters. In these verses, we see some insight and background into this Timothy, this pastor and his life. And we see how the gospel has been passed down through the generations. So if the point of the gospel, or if the point of parenting is to pass down the gospel, there's some things that we, well, I'll just let you see it. Look in the text. In seven verses, there's a word. Verse 3, as I remember you constantly in my prayers. Verse 4, as I remember your tears. Verse 5, I am reminded of your faith. Verse 6, for this reason I remind you. So if the word remember or remind is used four times in seven verses, we should probably take heed to that, right? And so in order to pass down the gospel from one generation to another, there's some things that we need to remember. The first thing is this, remember that failure doesn't define you, right? And all the parents, just just take a big breath and sigh, right? Remember that failure doesn't define you. You say, Jason, where's that at? Well, here's what's interesting. We see that Timothy's grandmother is Lois and that his mother is Eunice. Now, we actually know a lot about Timothy and, and his family And we have to go back to the book of Acts where the church started. And in Acts chapter 16, it says these words, Paul came also to Derbe and to to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman. Now we have to pause. If you know anything about your Bible, and if you know anything about context and history, this is written in a Greco-Roman background and culture. Very patriarchal. So you were known as the son of so-and-so. The lineage was always traced through the male lineage. But the Bible wants us to know something. That it doesn't say that Timothy was the son of and then give his father's name. It says that he was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. Now it tells us. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in these places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Two times in the text, you have Timothy's father described as a Greek, and he's listed as the son of a Jewish woman. Why is that important? Well, if you know anything about Jewish law. That the Jewish people, the Bible doesn't speak at all about interracial marriages. It actually encourages diversity. It talks about interfaith marriages. 
The Bible always says, do not marry someone who does not believe the same way that you believe, right? And so it shatters all of the dreams of, well, maybe I can save him, right? Yeah, through a lot of heartache and pain, okay, right? And so it actually talks about, because, I mean, like, I don't know, let's just get real practical. If you don't worship the same God, then marriage might be tough, right? I mean, like, all other decisions sort of hinge on that. And so Jewish law said, do not marry a Gentile was the language. But what do we see? We see, like, now, now let's use your imagination. Let's connect all these dots. Eunice comes home and tells Lois, I met a boy. And Lois is very excited. She's met a boy. She's of age. This is going to be great. Who's the family? What is the last name? And she drops the last name, Eunice does. And it is not a Jewish name. It is a Greek name. To which Lois now is very concerned. Was there an argument or something that took place? Because this was very clear in the scriptures. You are not going to see that young man. You will not make this decision. You will not move forward. This is what the Torah and the law tells us. You cannot make this decision on our family. And then it says that his father was a Greek. So was there a turmoil that took place and she stepped outside the guidelines of biblical parameter? Then I learned this. Do you know what Timothy's name means? To honor God. Oh, did she know, yes, I went outside the bounds. This was not what I was supposed to do. I have made a mistake and now I've entered in and I will honor this covenant. I'm going to move forward. Oh, but it's going to be difficult because now his father's not going to be in the synagogue and he's not going to be with church on us on Sunday and he's not going to be at the recital and he's not going to be here. But now I have this baby and I will name this baby Honor God because I made a mistake here, but here I'm not going to. I'm going to honor the Lord. Listen, see, the beautiful thing about Christianity is it has this thing and this concept called grace. And what I'm trying to tell you when it comes to parenting is this, and it comes to homes. I mean, like we could say by this definition that Timothy came from a broken home. But here's what I know, that God takes broken pieces And he fashions them together to make masterpieces. And if we had time to pass the microphone around here today and those of us who have come from broken homes and this, that, and the other, but saying God's grace sustained us and great was his faithfulness that led me through all of this. That's good news for us. But secondly, I think there's another application because what we would know from this background is if Timothy's father was a Greek, then he would not have been teaching the scriptures. He not would have been traveling to sin. He wouldn't have observed the holy days. He wouldn't have done any of that. So he would have been absent. But what I see is I see presence. I see Lois. I see Eunice. I see all of this. Here's what I'm trying to say. A godly presence can absolutely outweigh a godly absence. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And yes, the absence is there. And yes, the void is there. And yes, it's difficult. And yes, we have a lot of questions. But what we're going to do is we're not going to isolate. We're going to insulate. And now we're going to get around people. And people are going to get around us. And I know that a godly influence, a godly presence 
can outweigh that godly absence. So remember, the point of parenting is to pass down the gospel. Remember right out of the gate that failure doesn't have to define you. And then the second thing is this. Remember what is essential. Remember what's really, really important. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. I am reminded, verse 5, of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you. Sincere faith. Here's what he doesn't say. I am reminded of your political party and how your great-grandfather was a Republican. I am reminded that you are the fifth-generation Democrat in this family. I am reminded of your last name that has allowed you to coast all through life and do all of these things. I am reminded of your sincere faith. You see, sometimes in in parenting and really just in discipleship, All of the goals and all of the good, and they're good things. We want good things for our kids. Very rarely do you find just an evil person who wants bad things for their children. I really believe that parents want good things. But the danger for us is, is when good things become God things. Because your child will not be held accountable for their traveling baseball schedule. It's a sincere faith. All of those things are great and they're good. But what Paul says that matters, that's been passed down from generation to generation, is a sincere faith, man. Like the real deal holy field. And you know what happens in life? Most of the time when kids graduate, go to college, they, they call it like the crisis of faith. And I don't believe it's true all across the board. There's actually a lot of college professors that love Jesus, and they're not out to just dismantle your kid's worldview and all that stuff. But what they're going to do is they're going to encounter, here it is, they're going to encounter real life. Well, that's not fair. Like, they're going to encounter taxes, right? Or injustice or suffering. And they're going to do this. That's a worldview. It's the lens through which I look at life. And what we've tried to do as parents is we've tried to put on like these little glasses that when it's been convenient, we've learned and we've talked about this. But then they're going to look at the world and go, real life questions. And some of them reach back to only like Sunday school answers. And they try to reach back and then they try to marry the two and they go, well, there's all this stuff that says the Bible isn't true and I was never... Nobody ever showed me how the Bible was really true and how we got the manuscripts. And then somebody sent me this YouTube video and everything that's on YouTube is true. And so, right? And what happens? You see, Paul says you weren't handed down a family faith, but a sincere one. The word that he uses is is from like a Roman banking term. It means authentic. Not phony, but the real deal. As I was studying this, I ran across one of the most ridiculous, hilarious articles I've ever seen in my life. There was a student who was over in Egypt, and he was at a petting zoo. And he posted a picture of himself and posted it on social media, and it went viral. And, and, and on the picture, he said this, I feel like there's something wrong with these zebras. 
can somebody help me out, question mark? And it just went viral, right? This is the picture. Um, yeah, there's something wrong with that zebra. It's a donkey. And it has spray-painted black stripes on it, okay? And so this, like, this petting zoo just got like all of this world attention because they couldn't afford real zebras, so they got donkeys. Like, cut the hair, shape, like, go to, look at this. Look at this, right? There are so many places I could go with this joke right now, but it is the self-control of the Holy Spirit is stopping me from doing this, okay? Here's what the petting zoo guys said. The first time we used paint, but it didn't look that good. But you know what? The children don't really know. So they call them zebras, and they're just happy to see something anyway. The children don't really know, and they're just happy to see something. How do you know? How are you able to go, that's a donkey that's been spray-painted, right? Is you know what a real zebra looks like. And like, look at this. That, like, that is majestic, right? Now go back. Oh, my gosh. You see how ridiculous? It looks ridiculous side by side, right? What are we passing down to our kids? Well, we know we're supposed to go to church and we know we're supposed to do the thing and you're probably going to have some questions about life and so we're going to spray paint this thing and we're going to wrap it up and we're going to tell you that this is what Christianity is. And that they, they may realize that and think that it is now until they get older. And they go, wait, that wasn't, that's not authentic. How do we determine what is true and what is false? Like, are we telling our kids that if you follow Jesus, then you'll just get everything your little heart wants? And if you follow Jesus, then your life is going to be easier. When Jesus says, any man who follows me, first he has to die. First, his, all of his dreams and everything gets nailed to a cross. And then what I do with my resurrection power is I resurrect those dreams to be something far more than you could ever grasp or think. This is what Christianity is. And how do we determine that? What do we pass down? We know again through Timothy's family. Just one page over in 2 Timothy 3, Paul says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Here's what's interesting. That word whom is plural. And some commentators this week said that Timothy at a certain age wouldn't have had access into the synagogue and heard certain types of teaching, but he would have been with Lois and Eunice and other women who were not his mother and his grandmother. And those women taught faithfully. You have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with what? The sacred writings which are able. What do these sacred writings do, Paul? What are they able to do? Which are able to make you wise for salvation. Salvation in who, Paul? Through faith. In Jesus Christ. That verse is loaded with application. There is one thing that God has promised in your parenting for Him to empower and bless that will never return void. And it has jack nothing to do with your family stories. 
has nothing to do with this, that, and the cookbook, and the recipe, and worldly wisdom, and has everything to do with the power of his word. Listen, the key to this is, and what Lois and Eunice did is they realized, we can't save our baby. We can't save our babies. Jesus does that. The Holy Spirit does that. But here's what we can do. We can gather around their little heart and their little mind, and we can put this kindling and we can get this wood, and we can gather the scriptures, and we can put all of these things around their heart and their mind, and then we can pray, and we can pray for God to light that fire. And when he does, it determines how hot that fire is going to burn. Listen, here's what we do in parenting. We position our children to experience the power of God's word. We just position them. You can't control them. You can't, do all, you can't do a ton of things. But there are so many things that you can do, right? I mean, how about maybe instead of the baby shark, do, 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 right, you thought you'd get away from it. Oh, no, it's everywhere, right? That you can have, did you know that on your phone, you can download an app for free, press play, and it reads the Bible out loud to you. Right? And just as Deuteronomy says, as you lie down, as you wake up, as you walk along the road, we're in the car. It's going to be on. We're here. We're doing that. It's not this rocket science and all of this stuff. All we're doing is positioning. We're saying here, you need to be placed here. You need to be positioned here. You need to be underneath this. You need to be exposed to this. And then we pray because we know that God's word never returns void, but accomplishes the purpose for whence he sent it forth. That is good news for us as parents. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I'm a product of this. My mom and dad had had four boys, John, Josh, Joseph, and Jason. And at one point, if you would have asked them, who is giving you the most trouble, they would have wholeheartedly said Jason. And there would have been a time where you would have went to Emerson Street in Kennett, Missouri, and you would have knocked on the door, and you would have said, Ben and Ernestine, I'd like to talk to Jason. And they would have said, I'm sorry, he's not here. He's at juvenile detention, and you can't speak to him. I'm not saying I've arrived, and I'm not saying I've had it all figured out. Just talk to my wife after the service, okay? I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is when my life came crashing down, and Mommy and Daddy could not protect me anymore, I looked in the dash of my car. I pulled this off the shelf this week. This is the first Bible I got that after I had come to know Jesus, and it's beat up and it's marked up. And on the inside is a note card that's barely readable. And it says Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. My dad and my mom used to just give me note cards when I would ask for money. You know what made the most difference? Not the money. The note card. Remember that failure doesn't define you. Remember what is essential. And the last thing is this. Remember your own salvation. Remember your own salvation. Look at what Paul says. He says, I thank my ancestor. I remember your tears. I remember all this. But then he says, this sincere faith that dwelt first, the way that it's structured in the original language means that I have to say this because the rest of the verse is predicated upon this. It's the main clause that drives the text. And Paul's saying that this started in someone first and then was passed down. 
Do you know where I ran into the most amount of roadblocks in student ministry? Was when a mom and dad would call and you gotta sit down, you gotta talk to our kids, you gotta figure this out. We gotta gotta just talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. Okay, okay. So we'd sit down as a family, we would talk, and then inevitably I would go, okay. So mom and dad, tell me how do we, what's your experience with Jesus? I want you to talk to her. Let me talk to me. I want you, we're here to talk to the kids, right? Oh, okay. How is this? What's Jesus showing you in this process? And most of the time, that's when the eject button is hit because that requires self-reflection. And that is the most offensive thing to try to get somebody to do who does not want to do it. Here's what I'm trying to say. You can't pass on what you don't have. So if you don't know how sweet the grace of God is and how bitter your sin is, how can you pass that down? And listen, the most effective way to pass down the gospel to your children is to show how you have been affected by the gospel. That's it. The most effective way is to show how you yourself have been affected. And most of the time, that comes with looking a 13-year-old in the eye and apologizing to them, saying, I blew it, and I'm a sinner. See, when you understand what Ephesians 2 and Colossians 1 and says that we are sinners and born hostile towards God, like, like listen, Mama, I love you, and Grandmama, Boo Boo, Gaga, whatever your name is, I love you, but those babies are born sinners. That's just what this text says, Okay. And what we need is we need the grace of God to open up our eyes to the bitterness of our sin and the beauty of the gospel. And when that has happened to you, you see, you show me someone who's impatient and prideful, and I will show you someone who doesn't fully understand the gospel yet. There might be a saving faith there, but when it's not extended to others, it's because you have not meditated upon it yourself. And when you realize how hostile, how disobedient, how you never listened, and how you never obeyed. You tend to offer grace to your children in a different way. I think one of the greatest verses for any parent or any Christian is this, 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow Christ. That's a bold statement. You know what that means? Look at my life. Look at the good, bad, and the ugly. Follow me as I follow Christ, not do as I say, but not as I. Yeah, that's the definition of hypocrisy. That's trash. The Apostle Paul says, follow my life because I'm trying to follow Jesus and we can follow Jesus together. The point of parenting is to pass on the gospel. So what I want to do is on this Mother's Day where we honor women is I want to call the best mom up that I know, the mother of my three children, the Adrian to my Rocky, Miss Courtney Jordan. Would you guys show her some love this morning, huh? That's an inside joke. One time we were having like a serious marriage discussion and like trying to figure each other out. And I said, why can't you be like Adrian and Rocky and tell me to go win? She was like, what are you saying, right? It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So when it comes to parenting, being a mom, um, how has your salvation and your understanding of the gospel affected your parenting to our three kids? Okay. Um, Well, we have 
three kids, Roman seven, Andy Grace is five, and Piper is two. And so it's always crazy and wild in our house. And there will be times when I'm standing in the kitchen and I hear Roman yell at Andy in the worst tone, or um, he has a meltdown. Roman's getting all the hate. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, he has a meltdown because something didn't go his way. And my first reaction is anger and frustration more times than not. And with that comes yelling and um, judging him or sometimes even shaming him with my words. And um, I have to stop right then. And that's when it's helpful for me to remember my salvation because how many times do I keep sinning in a pattern and I keep doing the same thing over and over again? But then God's saying, well, do I come at you with anger or do I offer you grace and patience? Or um, when something doesn't go my way, am I throwing a fit? Or am I taking my advice to Roman when I say, hey, mom knows best? You know, am I fully trusting that God does know best? And so those are times when I need to look at Christ as an example of how I can parent. I think those verses that Adam read about how the the anger of God does not last forever, but he removes our transgressions so far is a very um, convicting when it comes to parenting in light of that. How about on Mother's Day where we just honor all women, not biological moms, but women in general and spiritual moms? Um, what, what would you say to them in light of this day in this text? Yeah, um, I think with anything, women are just always looking at each other and watching each other. And so there's a way that we learn. We learn, you know, how to cook from someone. We learn how to um, even read our Bible from somebody. And so there's always somebody that we are watching. We need that example that inspires us and that teaches us what to do. Um, In Philippians, Paul talks about how he follows Christ's example. And in chapter 3, he says, join in imitating me. And he's not saying we follow what Paul's doing, but just like Jason just said, we follow how Paul is following Christ. And so when I see a woman that is um, loving her family well and following after Jesus, I want to imitate that. Um, You guys have heard us talk about Miss Margaret. She was a founding member here at Westside, and we had her funeral a few months ago. And at her funeral sat her 80-year-old friends and sat myself and my 30-year-old friends. And we all sat there weeping because she was somebody who imitated that gospel for us and she gave us the perfect example and it wasn't fancy I mean Miss Margaret never presented something you know elaborate to me but she would catch me in the parking lot she would catch me as I was walking out to my van and she would just say hey and she would tell me stories or this is how I did it with my kids or this is how I loved my husband and her example was what you know drew me to that and so that's why I wanted to imitate her yeah, and I think, too, as a younger generation, I think what we're saying is to the older generation is we need your help. Let us be an example of we're saying, um, help, please, right? And it doesn't matter about the cool or this or that and the other. Like, we need somebody to show us. And if anything, you can contribute and show us, don't go this route. Don't go this way. There's grace over here. And there's heartache over here. And you might not think that you're one of the old ones that need to teach us, but Westside's young. So even if you think you're not old, you probably are old to us. And so (laughs) we still need you. And I mean, even if us, I mean, there's younger people than us. So it doesn't matter who you are, what role you have. You always have that person you can do that with. So Yeah, and we're very limited in our scope. Like we said, we do not sit up here and say we have this figured out. Our oldest kid's only seven. All we're saying is this is our life. 
and here's where we're at, and we need some other people to lead us as well. And so I think that's the beck and call. Um, as the band comes up, they'll lead us in a time of response. But, babe, would you pray uh, for these women, pray for these parents today? Yeah. Let's pray. Um, God, I just thank you for every woman in this room. Um, I thank you, whatever role that they have, whether mom, sister, friend, um, whatever that might be, that you would just let them walk that calling out in a way that glorifies you. I pray that you would just let these women be women that love your word and that um, use your word to trust and find peace in that, that it would wipe away any guilt or shame or fear that they might feel as moms sometimes carry. I pray that you would fill these women up so that when they um, are full of you, their love can overflow as they serve others and take care of others daily. I pray that you would just help us to remember that we need to have an eternal perspective. Let us not be distracted by the things of this world that don't matter, but let us just point others to Jesus. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're a baptized follower of Jesus Christ, why don't you stand right where you're at and come forward and partake in communion as you feel led today.